So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 14 and read through to verse 17. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So far, the reading of God's word. Well, good morning. It's lovely to be with you. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name's Reuben. I'm one of the pastors here. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really grateful to be at church this morning. It's so encouraging uh, to sing, uh, to see all the kids up the front learning about their Father in Heaven and about the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, and, and the good news just continues, really, because our Father in Heaven uh, wants to speak to us again today. And He wants to do that uh, through His Word. And we're going to look at that over the next few weeks as we start a new series called Hot Topics. Uh, we put out a call at the start of this year for lots of questions, any questions that you guys might have which you'd like to hear a sermon on. Uh, We've had heaps of responses, more than we'll be able to get through, so thank you very much for that. Uh, Our plan is to to pick some topics in the next sort of five weeks and uh, look at a few different things, and then I have no doubt that probably next year sometime we'll come back and do more. One of my favourite parts of being a pastor is definitely catching up with people. Uh, I just think it's such a privilege to hear about their lives uh, and, and to share in their struggles. Uh, but over the years as I've caught up with people, I've, I've noticed this, this one theme, this one wrestle that just seems to keep coming up. Why is it so hard to be who you want to be? Why is it so hard to do what you want to do? I think most of us have this sense, some sort of sense of who we want to be what we want to achieve, what's most important, and yet we find it really hard to get there. It can feel like we're wading through waist-deep mud while people are standing on the bank of the river just kind of throwing obstacles at us. You know, there are so many things coming at us in life, aren't there? I think for many of us, it's, it's just busyness. It's work and kids and exercise and grocery shopping and cooking and cleaning and catching up with friends and extended family and homework and assignments and commitments at church. It can be busyness. For, other, for others of us, maybe it's, it's more just distraction. Maybe we actually do have the time to do what we want to do, but then when we sit down and we try and focus or we try and make it happen, we're just all over the place. Other times, I suspect we struggle with this uh, because of entertainment. We live in an entertainment culture, uh, social media and TV and shows and sport and hobbies and books and apps and games. Uh, Sometimes it feels like it's not me consuming the entertainment, but that it's actually the entertainment consuming me. And as a Christian, 
I find that all of these things also start to impact me in my relationship with God. Very often, if I'm honest, I'm not where I want to be when it comes to my dedication to God. I I want to love Him, I want to live for Him, and it's really hard. If I'm honest, there are very few weeks where I get to the end of it and I think, yeah, no, I, I prayed as much as I wanted to this week. I nailed that. I spent enough time with God this week. I think I, I live with this constant feeling, oh, next, next week, hopefully next week's going to be better. Hopefully next week, things are just going to fall into place and I'm going to hit that rhythm that I'm looking for. And, and next week almost never comes. Maybe you can relate. And the question that raises is, well, what, what do we do about it? In this world of busyness and distraction, how do we stay on track? How do we make sure that the main thing is actually the main thing in our lives? And, and there's a lot we could say about that, isn't there? Uh, you could argue that that's what we talk about every week at church. And there are a few key things in the Christian life, aren't there? We need to hear God's voice uh, as we soak in the Bible. We need to rely on God as we pray continually. And we need to be connected to God's people as we, we're part of the church community where we learn and we grow and we serve together. They're kind of the ABCs of the Christian life, Christian habits, aren't they? Bible, prayer, church. But today we're going to think about another spiritual habit. And I suspect many of us haven't thought about it much at all. I hadn't until recently. I suspect it's something we almost never talk about. And yet I think, I hope it could be quite helpful. Fasting. This morning we're going to ask, should Christians fast. How might fasting help us keep God at the center of our lives and help us put the most important thing first? That's what we're going to ask today, and to do that, we want to, we want to go to the Bible, and we want to see what the Bible says. And we're going to start in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, and we're going to see what the Old Testament has to say to us about fasting. Are you ready? All right. In the Old Testament, God only commanded one fast each year. And that was on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 23, the Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves. That's that's a way of saying fast from food. And present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the Day of Atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. So, so this was a day when the whole nation stopped from everything they were doing, all their normal activities, and they focused on God. It was the day of atonement where they confessed their sins and offered sacrifices so that their sins could be atoned for. And it was the only day of the year that God commanded his people to fast. But the Old Testament mentions many other times when God's people chose to fast. Uh, They did this for various reasons. One reason was to repent. Uh, For example, the exiles, they returned to Jerusalem, and then they set aside this day of national fasting to confess their sin. Nehemiah 9 says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners 
they stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. Another reason for fasting was to pray for deliverance. Uh, for example, when Ezra and the exiles are getting ready to make this dangerous journey back to the promised land, we read this, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. And another reason for fasting was to mourn. After King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle, we read in 2 Samuel 1 that David and all the people fasted and mourned. So, repenting, praying for deliverance, mourning. What do all of those things have in common, do you think? I think it's about humbling yourself before God and seeking Him earnestly. But why fasting? Why not eating? Why not just wear black and listen to sad music? Well, eating is one of the most basic things that we do as humans, isn't it? And especially back in those days, food took a long time to prepare, like most of the day. And, and to have a meal was a significant social event. So if you fasted, you were making a significant interruption in your daily routine. You were pausing from something physical to focus your attention on something spiritual. And we see this in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 3. Moses, he's talking to Israel about the 40 years that they spent in the wilderness. And he says, God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, why? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So fasting is a powerful way of reminding us this physical world is not all there is. Life is about more than just food and work and physical comfort we don't live by bread alone. Life is profoundly spiritual. It is ultimately all about humbly seeking God and depending on Him. So there you go. We've looked at the Old Testament, a bit of a whirlwind. What about the New Testament? What about the part of the Bible that comes after Jesus comes? Well, the most significant passage is the one we read before in Matthew chapter 9. I hope you'll crack it open if, if you've closed your Bible. Let's have a look together at Matthew 9, verses 14 to 17. Uh, I'll read verse 14 now. Matthew 9, verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often... But your disciples do not fast. So we learn that the Jews fasted often. Uh, it seems like from the time of the Old Testament, they've, they've really upped it from one day a year. It's become really frequent and regulated. In fact, um, Jews were expected to fast twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. And so the people are confused because they're, they're looking at Jesus and his followers and they're not fasting. And so they go to Jesus and they say, well, why not? Look at how Jesus responds to their question in verse 15. 
Jesus answered, well, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. So he's saying, at the moment, it's not time for fasting, it's time for feasting. We'll get rid of that. Why is it time for feasting now? Because the long-awaited Messiah, the Saviour, is here. He's arrived. Jesus uses the illustration of a wedding. He talks about being the bridegroom. Uh, when Sean and I got married, uh, we went on a two-week honeymoon. We road-tripped. Uh, it was really fun. But in Jewish society, happy couples didn't go on a honeymoon. Uh, instead, they had a week-long party with all their family and friends. Uh, it was a time of celebration and feasting. And Jesus is saying, if you knew who I was, you would be celebrating right now, not fasting. Because it's party time. Because I'm the bridegroom and I'm with you. Why are you fasting and praying for God to send a saviour when he's standing right in front of you? And then Jesus illustrates this another way in in the next couple of verses. Uh, Read with me from verse 16. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins, If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Jesus is saying, new and old don't go together. And you shouldn't expect your old Jewish ways of doing things to stay the same because everything is changing now that I've come. God's promised kingdom is finally here. Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. He's the saviour of the world. It would be really silly, wouldn't it, to get so focused on your fasting habits that you miss what they're pointing to. That would be like standing in front of the, uh, the pyramids in Egypt just with your face down, just staring at the photos in the tourist brochure. So in a nutshell, Jesus was saying, don't worry about fasting right now. It's party time. I'm here. You are fasting because you're longing for God's presence and for God's salvation And it's here, in 3D, in me. Hooray. Uh, But then Jesus adds something else important. It won't always be party time. See what he says in the second half of verse 15. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. What does Jesus mean when he says he'll be taken away? Is he talking about the two days where he's going to be dead and buried? Or is he talking about more than that? Not just his death and burial, but also his ascension. When he goes up to heaven, the whole time that we're living in now, where Jesus is in heaven and we're still waiting for him to come back, his second coming. Which of those is correct? You'll have to decide for yourself. People debate it. Personally, I think Jesus is probably talking about that whole period of time. From when he went up to heaven to when he comes again. Why do I think that? A couple of reasons. First, because in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches his disciples how to fast. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you pray, pray like this. And he says, when you fast, fast like this, not like the Pharisees trying to be seen by other people. 
So Jesus seems to assume that fasting will be a normal thing to do. And then also, if we look in the book of Acts, we see that the New Testament church fasted at various times. In Acts 9, Paul fasted for three days after he was converted. In Acts 13, the church in Antioch fasts before they send out missionaries. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas fast when they're appointing new elders to the local churches. And also, in Matthew 25, Jesus tells us he's the bridegroom who we're still waiting for. You see, Jesus, he is with us right now. He's with us this morning by his Spirit, but we are still groaning and we're still longing for our salvation to be complete. I was just thinking about that again this week. Uh, It was about hump day, I think, when I started thinking about it. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to just see Jesus. Wouldn't that be good? I just can't wait for the struggling, for the sin, for that separation to be over. And that is the state of longing that we live in right now, isn't it? And Jesus, I think, is saying, that's when you fast. Okay, let's quickly recap. If you got lost somewhere in there, no worries, welcome back. Uh, We have seen in the Old Testament, the people of Israel fasted. We've seen in the New Testament, Jesus seems to assume Christians will fast until he returns again. Which is all well and good, but we still haven't really got to the heart of what fasting is, have we? What exactly is fasting and why might we choose to do it? What's it all about? Well, here's a definition of fasting. Fasting is going without something physical in order to seek God earnestly, humbly, and prayerfully. I'll say it again. Fasting is going without something physical in order to seek God earnestly, humbly, and prayerfully. I say something physical because I don't think food is the only thing we can fast from. Now, back in the day, if food preparation took hours, then fasting would have freed up a lot of time, right? Time for prayer, time for connecting with God. But nowadays, food preparation is a lot faster. And I suspect that things like social media and TV and games and apps and books take a lot more time. And so, personally, I find it much more helpful to fast from things like that than from food. Why, though, why would you go without those things for a period of time? Well, it's not because they're sinful. It's not because physical things are just evil. No, they're they're good gifts from God, a lot of them. But fasting declares, remember, humans don't live by bread alone. Fasting declares that there is more to life than just this world. It declares that we want the giver, not just the gifts. It says, I'm not happy, I'm not content, I'm not satisfied with just this world. I am hanging out and longing for the age to come. Remember what we talked about at the start? That that challenge of putting God first in the midst of our crowded, chaotic lives? Well, fasting is a practical way of saying with your whole body, Jesus, I'm hungry for you. 
You're the most important thing, and I want to put you first. What are some times when you might choose to fast? Well, we might choose to fast as a way of repenting. Repenting isn't just saying sorry. Repenting is really turning towards God with your whole heart and your whole life. Israel fasted for for one day a year on the Day of Atonement. I wonder if, if you ever stop intentionally to think carefully about your relationship with God, really think about it, reflect on it, reflect on your sin and confess it, Or you might choose to fast when you're praying for guidance. In Acts, we see Christians fasting before they make important decisions, especially before they appoint leaders or send out missionaries. Why? Well, well, fasting is really about humbly depending on God, isn't it? It says, God, we're just weak human beings. We're making this massive decision. We can't do it on our own. So so here we are, and and we're, we're listening to you. We're seeking you. And so I think it would be appropriate for a Christian to fast or pray before making a big decision. We might fast and pray about a certain mission opportunity or a crisis going on in the world. We might do that as individuals, but we might also come together as a whole church and do that together. Repenting, uh, praying for guidance. We might also fast as a helpful way of growing in self-discipline. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that he disciplined his body and kept it under control like an athlete who wanted to win the prize. God does call us as Christians, I think, to be responsible and moderate in everything. Can you imagine going without food or coffee for a whole day? Can you imagine going a whole week without TV or alcohol? Can you imagine going a month without using social media? Jesus warned in the parable of the sower that the riches and the pleasures of this life can choke our faith. Maybe fasting could be a helpful way of training us to be more disciplined and self-controlled. There's, there's three ways you might choose to fast, in connection with repentance, or with seeking guidance, or with being self-disciplined. But I do have to issue a warning at this point, because fasting can be dangerous. What are the dangers of fasting? Well, fasting from food can actually be medically dangerous. Uh, If you have diabetes, if you're pregnant, if you have a history of struggling with eating disorders, fasting from food is probably a no-go. It's probably not worth doing, and that is totally fine. Uh, if, If weight loss and dieting is something that you just think about often, well then, I think you need to be careful if you're going to fast from food. If as you fast, you're, you're kind of focused on how you feel and how you look rather than focusing on God. That's, that's not going to be helpful, is it? So there's some physical issues with fasting. There's also some spiritual dangers 
The first one is pride. Jesus said in Matthew 6, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, just look how you usually do. So that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. See, if, if, if your heart isn't humble when you're fasting, it's useless. In fact, it could be dangerous to your pride. So beware of pride. Also beware of trying to punish yourself. Christians should control their bodies, but never punish them. God has a very high view of the human body. It's never to be flagellated or mistreated. And Jesus Christ, if you trust in him, has borne all the punishment for all your sin on himself. So beware of fasting as a way of trying to atone for your own sins. Beware of pride, beware of punishment, and third, beware of making fasting about performance. Fasting won't make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make that happen. It won't give you extra saint points. It won't force God to answer your prayers and give you what you want. God's grace is free and all of his blessings are freely yours in Christ. So keep a close watch on your heart as you fast. Don't do it out of pride or for punishment or for performance. Well, there you go. We've been asking this morning the question, should Christians fast? We've seen that the New Testament never commands Christians to fast, but it does seem to assume that we might choose to. Why? As a way of earnestly seeking God in prayer. Not, not all those, those flippant kind of, I'll, I'll pray a little prayer here and there when I find the time. But, but sacrificial, time-intensive, all of body and soul prayer. Now let me get really honest for a second. <laughs> uh, do you know what my gut reaction is when I think about fasting? My gut reaction is to think, oh, really? We don't, we don't really have to do that though, do we? <laughs> I mean, it sounds a bit over the top, sounds a bit unnecessary, sounds like hard work. I'm st I'd still be a Christian if I didn't, yeah? That, yeah. And that is a really telling response. You know, that's actually diagnosing something quite significant about where I'm at with God and the kind of relationship that I want with Him. Could it be that I only seek God when it's convenient? Could it be that I don't really want to sacrifice anything in order to seek God? Could it be that I might actually benefit from seeking Him with a bit more determination, not doing something I have to do, doing it because I want to? There's something significant about choosing the optional extra, isn't there? If the sermon has made you think that you might like to try fasting, uh, let me just leave you briefly with a few pieces of practical advice. Before you fast, think about 
how, think about when, and think about why. How will you fast? Will you fast from food? Uh, will you do it with water on the side, maybe some juice? Or maybe you'll fast from TV, or from social media, or from shopping, or from alcohol, or whatever it is for you that you think might be drawing you, distracting you from God. How will you fast? And, and when will you fast? Allocate a specific time period and stick to it. Don't just decide to fast because you forgot your lunch one day. I've had that thought. Oh, I forgot my lunch. Oh, I guess it could be a fast day. Isn't that stupid? Are you going to fast for a half day or a whole day or a week? I'd recommend you start quite small and you work up. But most importantly, why will you fast? Determine a specific focus before you start. Is it, is it to repent and, and recommit to God? Is it because you want to be less distracted by the world and, and that particular temptation? Is it to pray for something specific? And, and last tip, this comes from personal experience as well. Don't just plan what you're going to cut out. Plan what you're going to replace it with. You wouldn't be the first person to fast from TikTok for a week and then spend the whole week on YouTube instead. Think carefully about how you're going to spend this extra time. Because you don't get brownie points for just cutting something out. It is all about, I want to connect more with God. So get creative about how you're going to pray. Maybe, maybe you'll go on a prayer walk. Maybe you'll partner with a friend. Think about what Christian books and music you're going to use. Think about how you're going to fast and when you're going to fast and why you're going to fast. But at the end of the day, whether you choose to fast or not, let's always remember that the love of Jesus, the bridegroom, is abundant and it's free. And as Christians, we have tasted that wonderful love. And now we, we are not going to be satisfied until the lover of our souls comes again and he takes us home and he fulfills all the longings of our heart in his presence forevermore. That's what we're hanging out for. Let's pray together. Look, God, we admit that uh, in, the in the busyness uh, and the chaos and the distractions of life, we do often get consumed with the physical and the immediate and the here and now, and, and our vision of you gets blurry, and our commitment to you gets shaky, and we know, Lord, that you deserve more than that. We know that you're always near to us, but Lord, we want to intentionally draw near to you as well and enjoy this relationship that we have with you and seek you earnestly in prayer. We want to hunger more and more for Jesus and we want the pleasures of this world to grow dim in comparison to the joy of knowing him and our longings for those joys to be fulfilled in heaven one day. So Lord, please keep us close to you and please Train us to be more disciplined, more earnest in our seeking of you. Not so that you'll love us more, but so that we can enjoy your love more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.